All right. Um, during worship, I had this picture of uh, Mount Sinai when Moses received the Ten Commandments. And it was said it was thunder and lightning, dark clouds. And, I, and the picture I had was this mountain. And, and then there was, it was like an inverse picture. It was like dark clouds forming like a funnel. And it was touching the top of the mountain. And, and when Moses came down from Mount Sinai, his face sh was full of glory. It sh shone, it sh how, how do you pronounce that? Shone. Thank you, my English, uh, English friends over here. And so, um, so it, it shone like the sun. I just didn't, I didn't roll off South Georgia tongue very well. And so, uh, anyways, he came down, he had the tablets, his face was shining. And, uh, and then, so he had the presence and he had the word of God. And I, I just felt like the Lord saying, when, when you unite, faith with the word, the presence is always, always accompanies it. Like God's presence always accompanies his word when it's united with faith. And Jesus was the embodiment of the presence of God and the word. And he was, Jesus was heaven on earth. And so I just affirm to you that the, the word of the Lord is powerful when it's united, when you believe it. Now, the, the, the Pharisees had the word of God, but they, they, they made it their own. They, they tried to form their own God out of it. They, they manipulated it, and they didn't really believe it. So you just have to believe it. You just have to be simple with it. And I um, also want to say a, a quick word. And how many of you are educators? Um, you coach. You've done something like that in your life. I want to, I want to give you encouragement my high school basketball coach coach Rosane passed away and this yesterday morning and um behind my dad he's had the most influence on my life of any other man and uh one of the things that coach Rosane did for me was he believed in me when I when I didn't really believe in myself and so I he would, uh, he told me that, he's like, Travis, don't take yourself so serious. He's like, you, he's like, play loose out there, baby. That's the way he'd say. Because I would miss a shot and I would just be, oh, so hard on myself. And, and he would, he did this thing called, how loose is your goose? How many of y'all heard me tell that story? We're, the whole team was playing tight and I'd come from uh, one, you know, experience in the past where when you were messing up, like you just, you would get punished. So you just like would run more. And a lot of coaches do it that way. And there's not even necessarily um, anything wrong with that. But that was what I was used to. And Coach Roseanne, man, we were playing horrible. It was a practice. And he said, everybody on the line. I was like, man, we're about to run. And he said, Travis. Do the funkiest, silliest walk to half court that you can do. And, and I was like, okay. And he said, why, and why you do it? Say, how loose is your goose? And I, I, I went, oh, okay. And I, I was just looking around. I mean, I was, 
I don't know what this is. And so I was, how loose is your goose? You know, and I'm just, and he said, now everybody, y'all follow Travis. How loose is your goose? And he held us, he's like, y'all got to relax. He's from, he was from California, all right? And he was, you know, with me in high school and college, and I would be talking to him about girls and stuff. He's like, Trav, he's like, just, he's like, just go on dates. Just have fun. Don't get a girlfriend. He's like, you don't, you don't need to do anything. Just have fun. Just go on dates. Don't, and, you know, he wasn't talking about being promiscuous or anything. He was just like, just enjoy the company of another girl or, or, and don't take it serious. And I would always, you know, talk to him, and he said, Travis, what you need is a good Catholic girl. <laughs> he says, that's what I got. He said, I was wild, and, and Mo tamed me. And he says, she is a good Catholic girl. You just need you a good Catholic girl. <laughs> I got me a good Baptist girl. It's pretty close. So I was like. <laughs> but Coach Rosine, um, he said, great players make great mistakes. And he always, and he said, uh, you know, he said, Travis, the nicest guys are the most confident guys. He said, you're, he says, when you're insecure, you, you're, you have to be mean and you have to puff out your chest. He said, the nicest guys, they're the most confident guys. So, um, but Coach Rosine's with the Lord now, unveiled glory with Jesus, seeing him face to face. And just thank the Lord for Coach Rosine. And I, so I want to encourage you teachers and coaches, I'm telling you, I know it's a grind, but like you will have, you can have an eternal impact. Coach Rosine's touching my children. You, you, you get to touch multiple generations when you get in the dirt with the, these kids. And I know, I know it's dirty and messy, most of the time, but you all are so important to kids. So thank you. I want to talk about how to build a garden. And um, how many of y'all planted a garden before? We've done it. We've done it at Farmington. You know, some of the steps of building a garden is uh, one, you got to find a piece of land. Second, you got to plow up, you got to break up that land. You got to break up the hard ground. You got to plant new seed, fertilize the soil. And then you water, you weed, and you watch. And so this morning, I was, the reason I want to talk about how to build a garden is, is because this past week, I was um, just uh, sitting in stillness with the Lord. I wasn't praying or I was just had my eyes closed and just being still. And I saw every time, and then I just started uh, telling the Lord, thank you. I just, I didn't, I was just saying thank you. I was like, thank you, Lord. Thank you. And every time I said thank you, I, I saw a picture of my yard. And every time I said thank you, a flower popped up in my yard. I'd say thank you, another flower. Thank you, then like a fruit tree popped up. Thank you. And it just kept building all these, all these plants in my yard. And the Lord said, build your garden with thanksgiving. And your garden is your life. 
Because Adam and Eve, they walked in the cool of the day with the Lord in the garden, right? That was their territory. That was their life. And the, and the, and the Lord said, abundance, this is what he said after that. He said, abundance doesn't start with abundance. Abundance starts with thanksgiving. Abundance starts with thanksgiving. Because you can actually have a lot and not have abundance. I've met people who you would have thought they were kings and queens and they didn't have very much at all, materially. So abundance isn't uh, the collection of things and how many things you have. Abundance is the prosperity of your garden, the prosperity of your life. How, how much fruit do you have in your garden? And it starts with Thanksgiving. Psalm 50:23, ESV version says, the one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me, and to one who orders his way rightly, I will show the salvation of God. Now, this bottom version is the one I had memorized, okay? And I'm still, that's my favorite, this, this, the old NIV right here. And I actually memorized this when I was teaching school. I was at Appalachia High School. I taught one year full-time. I was coaching basketball. And uh, one of the things that teachers have to endure, I said, when you, when you teach school, you have to endure rejection all day long. Hey, will you, will you do this? No. Hey, we run? No. Why? Hey, hey. You know, it's just always like a pushback. And it, that's, what, that's part of the grind of it. And so I was in, I was in it. And um, I had uh, behavior disorder kids, learning disorder kids, and so those kind of feed one another. Yeah, if you're learning, if you have a learning disorder, uh, for school can be frustrating, and so you, you, get, you start acting out. And then if you're acting out, you're not able to do your work, and you're not learning. So it's just, you know, it's a cycle. And so um, I remember after school one day, I saw this, I was waiting to go to basketball practice, and I read this, and it said, the one who offers Thanksgiving as his sacrifice honors me, and prepares the way that I might show him the salvation of God. And so it hit me that thanksgiving actually prepares the way for God to save you, deliver you from whatever's oppressing you. Thanksgiving prepares the way for God to come in to your situation. And so I'm a, I'll get, won't get ahead of myself. So the number one, the first thing you have to do when you build your garden is you got to find a piece of land. So you find a piece of land or inheritance that the enemy is squatting on. The enemy tries to, the, the enemy is not a, uh, he, he births lawlessness, right? There's, the Bible talks about there's like a lawless spirit. And so the devil's not trying to play by the rules. He's trying to deceive you. So he's, he's, not, he's not playing by any rule book. He's out to steal, kill, and destroy. And so sometimes he'll try to squat on what Jesus bought for you. And he doesn't get to be there. So I used to lifeguard. We had umbrellas and chairs on Hilton Head Island that we rented out. And sometimes people from the hotel would sit in them because they thought it was complimentary. And me and my buddy that guarded the stand with us, we'd say, we got a squatter. We got a squatter on set 80. 
And we go over there, hey, excuse me, sir. Um, and they had big rent me signs on it. And I was like, hey, um, this is already reserved for the day. If you'd like a, to rent a, a set, we'd be happy to do that. And he's sitting on the rent me sign. He's like, oh, I thought it was complimentary. And you know, we're like, okay, yeah, it's not. We're separate. Do you want to get it? You know, but that's what the, you know, the devil, he's trying to squat on what he knows is not his. All right. So, but you have to identify what he's squatting on. Sometimes and he tries to confuse you so you don't even know, like, is this God? Is this the devil? Is this me? Sometimes he likes to confuse you. He, the devil, he, is, um, he operates in darkness, right? We've said this before. He doesn't go around in a devil suit and a pitchfork. He's like, I'm here to destroy your life. He masquerades as an angel of light. Am I right? He's a deceiver. So you might let him in the door into your house, and you're like, wait, what are you doing here? Because I got in like six months ago. You let me in on this thing. So he's a deceiver. And the good thing is you have authority to get him out once you, once you see. So he doesn't want you to see. He wants you to be confused. So you find that piece of land or inheritance the enemy's squatting on, and the devil doesn't want you to get that inheritance because he knows it's, you're going to take away his kingdom. You dismantle the lie, you dismantle destruction, and you identify the lies associated with a particular piece of your land or inheritance, okay? So dismantling the land, that's breaking up the land, breaking up the fallow ground. Hosea 10:12 says, "So with a view to righteousness, reap in accordance with kindness, break up your fallow ground, for it's time to seek the Lord." until he comes to rain righteousness on you. And so Thanksgiving, or first of all, breaking up the fallow grounds, identifying that land, and then Thanksgiving is coming in to do its job, and we'll see in just a second. So break up the land, the fallow ground. That means identify the law. So I put up a few examples up here that some people believe. Um, finances, I, I used to believe this one. I'll never have enough. I'll only get by. Now, you know, one of the best ways to dismantle lies is to laugh at it. And, and, and look at it and be, just be like, man, that's foolish to think that. So after I, I, I say this lie, we're, gonna, we're just going to laugh at this lie, okay? I will never have enough. I'll only get by. <laughs> Now listen, just fake it till you make it. It don't, it don't matter. It's, hey, when you forgive people, have you ever forgiven somebody and you didn't feel like it? That's what faith is. Here we go. Personality. All right, introverts, there's some extroverts. Y'all don't have to laugh at this one, but I'm bound by my shyness. <laughs> All right, here we go. Where are we, where are we at? Now, I know nobody's thought of this one, had this lie. Your process in life. The lie, I should be further along in life than I am. <laughs> Joy, the lie is, I'm not a naturally joyful person. 
Now listen, I'm telling you, I'll do this in the car, I'll do this other places, I'll laugh. And then, and I may not, I may be faking it till I make it, like some of y'all were doing just now, and it's totally okay. But what happens is when I found that when I start purposely laughing more, whenever I feel the, the presence of the Lord, guess what I start doing? I start laughing at it, and then it's, I can't control it. And you start laughing about more things. So you have a joy muscle that's got to get a workout, all right? How many of y'all just are super motivated every time you work out? I'm not. But you go in there, you do it. It's a discipline. Joy is a discipline. Just laugh. Smile. I know this is what, maybe this is what Matt was talking about, me being a crazy man or whatever. But sometimes I'll drive and I'll do this. I'm just going to smile. I'm just like, I'm just going to smile. And I, I don't have a natural, my fa- I mean, my natural relaxed face is a, is a stern face. And I realize that. I used to have friends come up to me all the time. Travis, you okay? I'm like, yeah, what's up? <laughs> somebody came up, <laughs> somebody came up to Jessica when I was working at the Omni. He's like, Jessica, I didn't know Travis was funny. You know, and <laughs> Jessica's yeah, I've known that. You know, you know his face. And so, and so anyways. <laughs> So listen, I'm I'm coming from the, you know, from that side. But you just, you work out on purpose. You brush your teeth on purpose. You you bathe on purpose. There's times at night I have to go, for me personally, I can't go to sleep unless I've taken a shower. It's just, just, I can't get in bed halfway dirty. Greg Goldcap is a witness. And he does it too. But so anyways, we talked about this. So I've, there's times I don't want to take a bath before we go get in the bed. I'm tired. It's a discipline. You, you got you to do it on purpose. So joy is the same thing. All right, I'm hammering it home. We'll move on. So then the second thing, what you do next is you plant the new seed. So we've identified the law. Now we replace it with the truth. So you can't have a vacuum there. You need to know what the truth is. It's not just identifying the law. It's about identifying the truth as well because repentance is not only so part of what you're doing is renewing your mind it's, and it's actually repentance and so you're, you're not just leaving the old thing but you're stepping into a new thing a new belief does that make sense don't leave the not just the old don't leave just the old thought old pattern of thinking behind but you're stepping into a new way of thinking and so you have to know the truth. So the finances lie, I'll never have enough to I'll only get by, is you say, thank you, Father, that you have plans to prosper me. Thank you, Father. You have plans to prosper. You have plans for an abundant life. Jesus came to give me abundant life. Thank you that Jesus came for that. And you just start, you just say thank you in front of all that personality. I'm bound by my shyness. Thank you, Father, that in Christ I'm as bold as a lion. This doesn't mean you, get, you, you have to turn into an extrovert. It just means when boldness is required, you got it. God made you, he made me introverted, and he thought it was a good idea. He made some of you extroverted. He thought that was a good idea. He just is saying, you're not bound by fear. 
right? Whatever the fear is. The lie, I should be further along in life than I am. The truth, thank you, Father, that you began a good work in me and will complete it until the day of Christ. God began a good work in you. He's going to see it through. He's faithful. We can't, he, he knows we don't have it all together. And so he said, listen, you just depend on me because I'm faithful. What did you say this morning, baby? You said sometimes we look at our faithfulness to God, but he's saying look at his faithfulness. What would what, you say? <laughs> what'd you, no, what would you say? Okay. Yeah, so sometimes we focus on what God hasn't done or isn't doing instead of what he has done and he is doing. And, we, and that's focusing on God's faithfulness. Joy. The lie is, I'm not a naturally joyful person. The truth is, thank you, Father, that I have joy in the Holy Ghost. You got the most joyful person in the world living inside of you. The fourth step is you fertilize the soil. Mm. Spain. So you, you fertilize the soil. So your ashes, Isaiah 61.3 says, you, in exchange for our ashes, he gives us beauty. Now, another way you could look at your ashes is your, your dung pile, your poop, your mess, whatever you want to call it. Jessica um, used to work at Hope Haven, which is uh, a respite. It was a re uh, the place she worked at for Hope Haven was a respite home, and that's it's special needs adults and children and stuff. And um, she was having to uh, change the diaper on a young man, and uh, it was messy, you know. And the and the Lord just said, you know, I, this is. This is what, I think I'm butchering the story, honey. Would you? So this guy wouldn't let anyone change his diaper, and, um, except for a few certain people. And so um, I just um, was telling him, well, you can just sit in your poop, or you can let people help you. And the Lord said, that goes for you, too. <laughs> you can either sit in your poop or let me help you. All right, I'm going to give the invitation. <laughs> so, so you can either sit in your poo or let the Lord help you and use it for fertilizer. That's what the Lord does. He's like, let me clean you up, and I'm going to use it for fertilizer. It will actually help you grow because he just makes all things new. God wins with any hand. He wins with a dirty diaper. So our ashes, there are our poo, that's our mistakes, our sins, our accidents, our brokenness. God, God turns our mess into a harvest. The fifth step is you water, you weed, and you watch. So you water your garden with thanksgiving. You weed your garden with thanksgiving. You watch your garden with thanksgiving. That's how you keep it healthy. Your life, and, when, and I'm, when I'm saying garden, remember, it's just your inner life. Now, did you know that you can prophesy with thanksgiving? 
you can prophesy with things. This, was, this is exciting to me. So in 1 Chronicles chapter 25, David gave jobs to these worshipers, and he said he gave this particular job to a set of guys. And I just think it's amazing that David thought that this was worthy of, like, a job role. So it says of Jeduthun, the sons of Jeduthun, Gedaliah, Zeri, Jeshiah, Shemai, Hashabiah, and Mattatiah. Anybody got a baby in the womb? These are some good names for y'all. Six, under the direction of their father, Jeduthun, with the harp, who prophesied in giving thanks and praising the Lord. Now, the previous verses, it said David's like, hey, listen, you're in charge of prophesying. You're in charge of prophesying with thanksgiving. You, you're going to offer burnt offerings, whatever. And so it's, I just, I'm like, you prophesy with thanksgiving. So we're going to look at um, what, how Jesus did that. But in Romans 4, 17, it says, we call things into existence that do not exist by the words that come out of our mouth. And so when you start thanking the Lord for something that hasn't materially transpired, guess what you're doing? You're prophesying. You're calling that thing into existence. Okay? So Jesus did this with Lazarus. So Lazarus, with, Lazarus was one of Jesus' best friends. He had died, and he purposely waited in town before he went for Lazarus to be about three days dead. Um, I don't think it was coincidence that he waited for three days for Lazarus because he's like, listen, you're going to have to wait another three days. And I just want you to know, he's, he was letting them know, he's like, it can, be, it can be done and it will be done after three days. So they removed the stone, then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. <laughs> what if you start your prayers out with that? Father, I thank you that you hear me. And then you pray. I knew that you always hear me, but because of the people standing around, I said it. <laughs> Jesus is like, Lord, I'm just doing this. I mean, I know, Lord. I know, Father. But I got all these people watching me. So. But because of the people standing around, I said it so that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Imagine being there. Lazarus comes out and the grave closed. Three days. They told him, Jesus, there's a, there's a stench. That's what they told him. Jesus didn't even really address it. <laughs> he just started praying. So other benefits of Thanksgiving. So we learned how to build a garden with Thanksgiving. But here's some other things that Thanksgiving does for you. Number one, it brings you into a place of, sub, of submission. When you give thanks, you, you recognize a higher authority, and it, it actually enables, it means you're receiving something. Somebody gives me a gift, I say thank you, and it's acknowledgement of me receiving something. But also Thanksgiving just, you know, David said, I humbled my, my soul with fasting, Thanksgiving is one of those intentional ways of humbling yourself because it means I'm receiving. I'm the recipient. Like I'm, I'm being, somebody's serving me. 
And it's, used, and it's a recognition of the authority of God that, hey, there's this, all these blessings in my life, these things come from God. They come from a higher authority. It humbles your heart. Third, it gives you a bountiful, generous eye. So Proverbs 22, 9, that says, he who has a bountiful eye is generous. So generosity doesn't actually start with opening up your wallet or giving of your time. Generosity actually starts with how you see things. Generosity starts with how you see God. Generosity starts with how you see yourself. Do you see yourself as a servant? Do you see yourself as a steward? Do you see yourself as, hey, these things are temporary and they're not really even mine. I'm just stewarding them for my father. Do, you, do these things? And so it starts with the way you see. Is God a generous God? Is he more than enough? Does, will he provide? To, but thanksgiving starts to give you that bountiful eye. It starts to change the way you see because when you're giving thanks before you've actually seen it, you're calling it into existence. Lord, I thank you for the rent check this month. Father, I thank you for the job that's waiting on me, whatever it is. Number four, it seats you, Thanksgiving seats you in heaven. It changes the location of your view, your perspective. It's part of being seated with Christ is giving thanks. Number five, it positions you to receive more. It's a delight to give to thankful people. I was actually talking to the Lord about this. I said, I said, Father, what's it like for you to give to thankful people? And I felt like he, he said it like this. He went, oh, it's much more fun. I felt like he said it like that. And so then I said, well, what's it like for you to give to ungrateful people? Because it says he's kind to ungrateful and evil men. So I knew he gave to ungrateful men. I said, so what's that like for you? And the Lord said, they can't stop me from being me. Who they are doesn't change who I am. And that's a word for us. is like, don't let anybody else change you. God doesn't change, no matter whether they're grateful or ungrateful. He says, I am generous. Luke 6, 35 says, but love your enemy. But it would be nice to let the Lord delight and have, have some fun given to you. It doesn't change him. But he says, oh, man, that's much more fun. And how about, what about for you when you give somebody, when you give a gift to somebody, and they're like, thank you. Oh, my gosh, this is such a blessing. That's fun. As you give to somebody and walk away, don't even say thank you. What's more fun? We know the answer. And so anyways, love your enemies, do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return. And, reward, and your reward will be great, and you'll be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. That's, that blows my mind every time I read that. Also, I want to encourage you just to ask, God, ask the Lord questions. The um, Holy Spirit told me a joke this past week, too. I, I was washing dishes, and I was getting a little, I was just feeling a little tired, and I said, God, do you ever... Do you ever get tired of telling people to rest in you and be still? And he said, yeah, that's why I wrote it down. <laughs> I just started laughing out loud. <laughs> I was like, Lord, that's good. That's good right there, Lord. 
Come on. You can get me on that last slide, Sam. It's not changing up here. The last one. Yeah. There we go. Sixth thing Thanksgiving does, it washes you with hope. It helps you see what could be. The impossible starts to become possible with Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is it's naturally going to feed hope into your life. I'm, I, I firmly, firmly believe that Thanksgiving is like one of the top three pillars of your inner life that we, that we got to have as a Christian. Paul said, give thanks in all things. Peter said, when you're facing persecution, trials, and many kinds, give thanks for the joy and the honor to be counted worthy. <laughs> this is a whole different perspective. Number seven, Thanksgiving increases your faith. It creates expectancy. When you start giving thanks, thank you, God. You're going you're gonna to come with your presence. Thank you, Father, that my children are going to have radical love encounters with Jesus. You just start believing when you start saying those things. And then number eight, Thanksgiving magnifies the Lord. So many times God starts getting smaller and smaller compared to our circumstances. But when you start giving the Lord thanks in the midst of those things, he's just, he gets bigger. It's so much, Thanksgiving has so much to do with how it changes your perspective. I, t I said earlier, it, it makes, it's, it's connected to how you see God. And so when you start giving thanks, you start seeing God as big. Remember what happened to the, the 10 spies that didn't believe? They saw the giants in the land. They're like, we just need to stay in the desert. We can't take these guys. They're huge. They're giants. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. Now, where did they get that information about being grasshoppers? The giants didn't say that to them. They didn't say, hey, you look like grasshoppers to us. They came up with that themselves. They, they were like, oh, we, we must be like grasshoppers to these guys. And then you had uh, Caleb and Joshua He's like, nah, man, we got it. We got this. Let's go, baby. Let's go. And so um, Thanksgiving magnifies the Lord, makes him bigger in your situation. You have anything you want to add? Well, let's stand up. So I want to encourage you, Thanksgiving's a discipline. Joy's a discipline. Graham Cook says this, when you practice discipline, the discipline will turn into delight. Discipline will turn into delight. Think about anything that you've learned. Jessica's a horse rider. When she first started riding horses, she had to pay a lot of attention to how to sit, how to use her legs, how to use her hands, how to ride. Now, through the discipline of paying attention to that and being intentional every time, now when she gets on a horse, she doesn't even think about that. She can delight in the horse ride. For some of you, you know, maybe y'all, I always use basketball because that's just what I grew up with, but. When I was learning how to shoot, I had to, I'm like, snap the wrist, 
fingertips, elbow in, intentional, intentional, intentional. And then now I don't think about it. Tommy doesn't think about how to swing a baseball bat. All right? So the discipline will become the delight, the delight but you, it's about intention. It's about acknowledgement and just practicing thanksgiving. And then, but don't, don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged because if you're like, man, I've, only, I've totally slipped my mind to give thanks today. Man, I guess I just need to give up. No, the Lord's just like, no, just start. Just start right here. Just start again. I'll use Graham Cook again. He, he, he said uh, he was trying to, he was spending time with the Lord, and he was just being still, and he said his, his thoughts kept wandering off. He's like, God, I'm getting so frustrated. I keep thinking about other things. I'm not even thinking about you. And the Lord said, that's okay. Just do it again. Just try again. And he said, I got gobs of time. Just try again. So the Lord is so gracious to us. And when you, when you push, tilt your heart, lean into the Lord in something, it gives him such delight. It gives him such pleasure. And he gives you grace. So, Father, I pray for us, Lord, right now. I pray that we would be a people of thanks. Lord, I want to be the most thankful man in the world. And I pray we would be the most thankful church in the world. Father, I, I just pray that there would be such a supernatural grace to give thanks. I pray that you would change the way we see, that you would, there would be grace to practice this discipline, Lord. We, we want the, this, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to walk in this, Lord. We know, we know it's such a gift from you, Lord, just to give thanks, just to recognize that you are the giver of all good gifts. You are the father of lights, and you do not change like the shifting shadows. We can always count on you. We can always know that you hear us, that you love us, and you want heaven to come to earth.